a very merry football morning to you and yours from Dogs by Nature. My name is Thelonious7, and you're listening to a very special Monday morning preview on Dogs by Nature. Ahead, we're getting ready for the Monday night showdown between the Cleveland Browns and the San Francisco 49ers. First, we're going to hear from the players' realm with Superman versus Everyman. Then we're going to hear from the coaches to get an idea of how they view this epic Monday night showdown. We will also hear from John Cahill of the Two Green Browns podcast. The green in the title of the podcast refers to the foliage of the country where these guys reside, Ireland. John and his partner, Neil, are two of the most authentic Browns fans anywhere. And he will share a story about how he became a Browns fan from thousands of miles away. He's going to talk some football with us as well. You know, and after we've had the positional breakdowns and the matchups that we'll go through, we're going to hear a prediction from John Cahill. We'll also hear back from the guys from the Muff Podcast and from Zach Pratt from 49ers Noir Podcast, as they will let us know what they're expecting this game tonight. It's a jam-packed Monday morning preview for my Dogs by Nature family. So without any further ado, let's get into it. Monday night, we will see Jimmy Garoppolo and Baker Mayfield suit up on opposite sides of the field to do battle. Zach Pratt of the 49ers The War podcast described it like this. He almost seems kind of godlike as opposed to hitting that everyman feel that Baker has. You know, when Baker shotguns that, that beer at, I think it was at the Indians game, just, you know, biting into the can and all that. That's the type of guy you want to hang out with. That's the type of guy that you can see. You know, you can see your buddy doing that. You can see, you know, being at a bar with that guy and hanging out with him. You, you don't really get that feeling with Jimmy G, maybe because of, you know, his extremely good looks or just with how quiet he is. He doesn't seem like that everyman type of guy. Kudos to you, Mr. Pratt, for such a poignant analogy. The everyman versus Superman feel is what I'm looking at going into this game. I definitely think Cleveland has the guy that they need in Baker Mayfield represent them on the football field. Let's have a listen to what Baker Mayfield had to say leading into this Monday night game. Anytime you have an offensive line that's playing like that and the run game gets going, it helps you out. Um, it's just when you do that, it opens up the play action game and then also it keeps the defense on their heels when we're staying ahead of the chains like that and getting explosive runs, uh, uh, it helps us out tremendously. I mean, you just look at the guys they have up front. Um, I mean, you can look at them, and they're, they're five, five out of six first-rounders, former first-rounders, and then, uh, I mean, they just they let them play. Uh, they're similar in the Rams to where they don't have to pressure as much just because they're trusting those guys to get home, uh, just because of how talented they are. And that's the thing about it. It allows the rest of their defense to play free. Um, and so that, that's just looking at their front. Overall, they're, they're very good. I, I totally love Baker Mayfield. I definitely want to have a beer with him, but if we do have a beer, (laughs) I think it has to be a Belgian beer. Make no mistake, the Belgians make the best beer in the world, and that's the kind of guy you want to drink with. Let's see how we feel after we hear from Jimmy Garoppolo. What are some of the challenges that the the Browns defense has to offer for you? Uh, It starts up front. They're they're very talented. Uh, I have some guys up front who could just flat out go. 
And then uh, across the board, I mean, their scheme overall is pretty complicated, so it'll be a good challenge for us. Uh, they just tie a lot of things together, you know, uh, do a good job of disguising things. They just make it difficult on you. Is that from some of the homework you put in, Jimmy? I guess Kyle said that you stayed around during the bye week to do some extra preparations here. Uh, yeah, I mean, normal, normal stuff. Uh, but yeah, just um, part of the weekly process, I guess. You didn't go home, you were going to, and scrub the plans? Yeah, I ended up staying here and everything, just uh, try to keep this thing going. The defensive coordinator was the head coach here in Arizona last year. You didn't mm -hmm. face them, but you prepared for his defense before, right? Yeah, yeah. They uh, kind of stems all the way back to the Carolina stuff, and he, uh, you know, Coach Wilkes does a great job of it. They gave us a lot of challenges last year uh, when he was with Arizona, and I'm sure it'll be a lot of the same. Mostly zone coverage? Uh, it's a mix, yeah, but they do mix and man. Did it just seem like it was too early for you to get away from the bye week? I mean, just, you know, three weeks in? Yeah, it was weird. I mean, and it's not the best weather in Chicago, I heard. So, yeah, never hurts to stay here in this California weather. But, uh, yeah, it's just, uh, I don't know. I've never had one this early before. So I thought it was the right thing to do. Yeah, that's right. Superman in his fortress of solitude. Preparing for this Monday night. What about that crystal of knowledge? Coach Shanahan. What do you see from the Browns' offense? Um, they got a lot of good players. Um, they got a good scheme. I mean, they mix it up a ton with a lot of the stuff they do. Um, they can, um, you know, with all the RPOs and things like that. And um, they got a lot of receivers and backs who you get the ball in their hand and they can take it the distance. So it's a challenge. Will you have to use some specialty coverages to help mostly against Beckham, or do you trust him to execute your base defenses? Um, I mean, yeah, we, we trust we trust him a lot. I mean, I'm excited to see um, E-Man play. Uh, he's done a good job every time he's got in there. I know he'll be up to the challenge this week, um, going against one of the better receivers in the league in Odell and one of the better receivers in the league in Jarvis. So it obviously will be a challenge for him. It'll be a challenge for um, Sherm also. It's a challenge for everyone in this league. So um, we'll see. The Oracle is definitely correct on his last point. In fact, the only thing that doesn't work with this metaphor is I don't know what to do with Coach Freddie Kitchens. No, I'm, yeah, I'm good where Callaway is right now. Look out there and see sort of a full complement of receivers, which you really haven't had this whole season. Uh, yeah, it's always nice to get, um, you know, two of your two of your guys back. But, you know, I think those other guys have filled in and, and uh, have done well. You know, I think we've got the luxury of having several guys that can play. So, um, but definitely, it's it's good to have Tonio back and and Hig. Yeah, as close as we're getting to having Hig back. You know. What kind of challenges does George Kittle present to your defense? Well, I mean, he's um, he gets open a bunch. Seems like um, you know they're. Um, He's always finding windows. He's a great zone guy, and then he can beat you athletically too. And, uh, you know, he's been very successful up to this point this year. So um, anytime you have a, a guy uh, that can find open windows in zone and kind of has a knack for it, um, you know, they present a lot of problems. Good. Goodness gracious, I expected more out of y'all today. Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> you said you didn't have any. He asked you. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, one more. One more. This is it. And but yeah. 
So we already used the one. You're, you're still, you're still so now, if uh, I'd done, let's just talk about something. If I had done that, yeah. Well, I mean, no, I did. I did you'd have like just bad mouthed me and everything, no, 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 no. you know. <laughs> I don't know if the best analogy here might not be Uncle Buck, right? <laughs> I don't know, Freddie out here hating on these vultures. Well. With that, let's get to the first commercial break. You've been listening to the Monday Morning Preview on Dogs by Nature. I feel very fortunate this morning to welcome a special guest, an Irish visitor on this program. My name is John Cahill. Um, I'm a podcaster on Two Green Browns podcast with my friend Neil Dunworth. Uh, I also do some writing for the Browns uh, on Browns Access. Um, so doing a, doing a few articles here and there, doing some reviews uh, on their uh, on their platform at the moment. John, it's definitely great to have you here. I got so many questions. So let's just get started, right? How big is the NFL in Ireland anyways? It, do you have to deal with things like Ravens fans from over there? So how did it come to, to, to follow the Browns? That's kind of a, that's a, that's a real, uh, it's a really long question, I suppose, for, for me to answer coming from, a, coming from Ireland. It's, it's been a bit of a journey. Um, so to explain briefly, I suppose, um, with, uh, when, when we were kids here in Ireland, we we had uh, we had a lot of American TV shows, so like m- myself and my brothers would would sit up um, in the evening time to watch shows like MacGyver and the A Team, and as part of our, our weekly viewing, we used to watch a, an NFL review show. So we had a, we had like a one hour review show that was on on Monday nights here in Ireland on, on our, our local TV, and uh, at that time we didn't really follow teams because we didn't we didn't know enough about the sport, but we followed we followed players and we followed we followed. T- we followed jerseys that we liked so i know my my older brother was very fond of dan marino at the time and i was quite fond of i think it was like there was like jim kelly um john elway you know it was all the kind of just it was quarterbacks really it was following quarterbacks with so the quarterback with the nicest jersey i think at the time when we were like when we were small kids but that kind of sort of fostered a it fostered a lifelong journey with me and uh, and the nfl and um I remember um, back at the, at the time, the only way we had of following the NFL um, at that point was with um, was that, that that weekly show. And when I got a bit older, I realised I could go and buy magazines. And there was an NFL magazine. I can't. I think it was just the NFL official publication magazine that that they had. I used to buy every now and then. And when I was uh, when I was uh, a little bit more grown up in my in my teens, I remember reading an article about this guy Art Modell. Who was uh, who was moving his team, moving his franchise to from Cleveland to Baltimore? And I remember, I remember this struck a real chord with me because it it was a it was a real thing of um, you know how unfair that must be to to the team. And just to give you context as well, like in, in our local sports here in Ireland, when you play for when you play for a team, you play for your location, you play for your county. You you can't change. You you can't move your team. Like you know, what I mean, the teams are. Teams are there forever and ever, amen. And, and and they're never going to move. They're not franchises. So, so the concept of even moving a team for me um, at that time was uh, abhorrent, and I couldn't really understand it. So we grew up in a very working class background, and um, my dad had done a lot of work in unions, and we had 
we'd sort of been brought up with a real keen sense of fairness and, and to me this seemed really unfair and uh, at that point I kind of I kind of put that to the back of my head and was following the NFL and then when, when the franchise when the expansion franchise came came two or three years later that's when I took a real note that's when I decided I hadn't got a team I hadn't stuck I hadn't stuck my, my flag um, in the ground with a team just yet and I knew that I knew the Browns were going to be the team for me based on what I knew about the team and what what the fan base had kind of gone through. So I thought I was going to be able to to grow and learn more about football uh, by choosing the Browns as as my team, and that's what I did. And Tim Couch, my, my first investment in in really sort of getting to know things about football was the Tim Couch draft, and um, sort of all started from there for me. Um, with regards to how big the NFL is in Ireland, the NFL is pretty big in Ireland. NFL is pretty big in Ireland. You you, you will go. We, we had said NFL Roadshow over here last year, and I brought my son, brought my middle son up to that, and there was a you know, good couple of thousand people at an auditorium there. We had um, Rob Ryan, um, JGI, um, can't remember who else was there. Alex Collins, I think, was there. So there was a couple of players. So you you, you will get you will get a, a, a good crowd out to that. We do have we do have an amateur football league in Ireland. I played in in myself. Um, so th- there is a good basis. There is a good basis there. The, 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 as regards the spread of fans, we are infested with Patriot fans in Ireland. We are infested with Patriots and Steelers and Raiders fans in Ireland. And if you go into a, if you go into a sports shop in Ireland, you will get a Patriots jersey or a Raiders hat. You might get a Steelers jersey. You might get a Steelers hat. And that's really about the spread. Maybe Dallas Cowboys as well. You know, based on on, on on their historical achievements, like. But after that, no, not really. There's a, there's a handful of um, of Browns fans here now. If we go, the Browns backers have uh, a nice little place over in Galway, and um, we head over there um, every now and then for uh, for the games. And you will get passing Ohioans in for the games, and and there's a there's a handful of expat uh, expat um, Americans living around the place, and. A handful of weirdos like me that um, are supporters of the Cleveland Browns. Hoping to get a few more bandwagon guys in uh, in the coming year or two. Um, and as to deal with Ravens fans, no, don't have to deal with Ravens fans because I don't see them ever. There are there are Ravens fans in Ireland, but again, minimal, minimal. Um, not that many that I would ever have to worry about uh, meeting out of a night out. No Ravens fans, huh? Okay, Freddy Kitchens has been a huge focus of mine. My brother thinks his act could eventually wear thin. I think he's been accountable for his team and I think he could do something special over time. How good of a coach do you think Freddy Kitchens is? How does he compare to some top coaches like McVay or Belichick and or maybe how he compares to a top soccer coach like my guy Jurgen Klopp? That's um that that's a tough question because you know, I, I think I think your brother may be onto something there, unfortunately. And, and I think I think I think coach like Freddie, um, I think Freddie is in is in ride or die um, gear now. Like Freddie is not going to be afforded the opportunity long term to build a team. He he has walked in and he's more or less been handed the keys to the Ferrari, and he's been ex- he's he's expected to drive it. And I understand he's been accountable for the team and all that, um, but he does. He, he does have certain expectations of him now where 
maybe other head coaches going into other situations that have rebuilds or whatever ahead of them um, may get um, a little bit more leeway um, as to whether he could be he could be something special yet to be decided yet to be decided he's he's um he's a good coach you know like he, he's earned he's right he's earned his right to be to be where he is uh, how good no one really knows just yet and we've seen we've seen this year we've seen the evolution of the offense from the disaster that we had against the titans to the game against the ravens now i really 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 like to know what um what the evolution has been there uh has eddie has has freddie backed off his influence since the first game or has, has he increased his influence since the first game has todd munkin stepped back a little bit um for, for the likes of the ravens game we don't know but one thing we have to remember is this is all on freddie this is all coming down on his shoulder so why should he give over control of the offense when he's the one that's going to get the sack in the morning if the if the results aren't what what people might want you know and then with comparing ready to to other coaches like you know we've just witnessed sean mcveigh losing a game um to uh, the seattle seattle seahawks there last night um we've just watched um, the, the same team not exactly blow the browns out of the water like the, we were within a play of, of of taking the game on like you know um so so someone like mcveigh the, the shine can come off very quickly um with coaches like that belichick's obviously in a in, in a completely different bracket uh, of um of coach you know he's he's someone you couldn't really compare to like so so what like freddie's going to have to get a serious body of work behind him before he can be compared to these guys what we saw like in my opinion what we saw from what we saw from cleveland browns last week against the baltimore ravens is what i think freddie brings to the offense it's that using the run game to set up RPOs, to throw in the little wrinkles, like to get that play, like for Jarvis throwing the ball uh, down the field um, to Rattley, you know, stuff like that. That that that's always there in your arsenal. That keeps the keeps the defense under uh, under toes. Like that's kind of the identity I think of um, that that Freddie can build for himself. Like you know, as as a coach. Again, it's a. I really like to see Freddie with a full season under his belt before anyone goes, um, you know, comparing him to, to, to top coaches. As for Jurgen Klopp, not someone I would compare to to, to anybody really. I'm I'm actually I'm actually a Man United fan myself, so I want <laughs> Jurgen Jurgen Klopp. Uh, he, he's he's good coach for his team, but um, yeah, as a, as a United fan, um, I wouldn't be a. He wouldn't be someone who was on my Christmas card list. Yeesh. Harsh words for Jurgen Klopp and Freddie Kitchens, right? Oh, man. Well, just so you know, man, Jurgen Klopp is my dude not because of his work at Liverpool. He's my dude when he took a second league team to the first league team. I happened to be in the visa and heard him speak, and he totally won me over. But let's get back to the Browns. As I ranked the top 5 Browns players on offense and defense, I felt that Chubb again emerged as a top player on offense. Is this team going to be eventually his team, or will he continue to be overshadowed by the bright lights of the passing game? 
That's an an interesting point about 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 Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb has had an excellent start to the season. When uh, when he has the ball, he, he's had the, he's had that uh, that role to himself. He's 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 fantastic um, in the role that he's been asked to been asked to play. He's catching the ball a bit more out of the backfield. Definitely uh, one of our top players on offense. However, I would caution that with I, w- I would look at the situation in Pittsburgh last year with Lev Bell I would look at the situation in um, with the Chargers this season uh, with Gordon there there seems to be with running backs um, a, a phenomenon where we, we may overvalue them slightly so say in in last year with um with Lev, with Lev Bell out of Pittsburgh and O'Connor, James Conner pops in and does an adequate job does well does more than adequate does does a good job um Eckler has stepped into uh, Melvin Gordon shoes in 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 the Chargers and virtually no drop off in production actually an increase in production I think really even when you're looking at current figures so. If I was to place a value on Nick Chubb over maybe our wide receiver room, I don't think I would. I, I, I think I think the issue there is is sort of it's more or less a replaceability. Um, I think I think Nick Chubb, the production that Nick Chubb brings to the team is great. It's fantastic. I love the player. I don't want to be uh, negative about the player uh, in any way, shape. But as n- my opinion, I suppose, is not so much on the player as in the position, as in the production that can be got in the position can can be got elsewhere. Whereas wide receivers tend to be a little bit more, uh, a little more player dependent, maybe even tight ends as well. But we've had good production from uh, from our tight ends. But I, I definitely think that not just Nick Chubb, but running backs in general are going to be overshadowed in this league by uh, the pass catchers, the, the playmakers, the the tight ends, your, your Travis Kelsey, Zach Ertz, your Odell Beckhams, your, your DeAndre Hopkins. They're always going to, if the game continues to, to grow the way it was, I said when, when um, you know, when, when you go back and over the history of the game and look at the running backs and, you know, look at your Barry Sanders and, Marshall Fox and guys like that that we used to watch um, when we were kids uh, looking at the production they had and, and the esteem and, and the value that they held for their teams uh, at the moment that appears to be gone from the game of football as we know it uh, it is what you would call a pass happy league and the rules are being made that way and defensive backs are, are, are not allowed to, to touch um, wide receivers they're nearly a, a protected species at this point much like the much like the quarterbacks the league wants to have healthy happy quarterbacks standing in the pocket flinging the ball down the field so that wide receivers can catch the ball and that appears to be the product that the NFL wants to put on the field at the moment and until that changes the running back position really is going to be over uh, it, it's well it, it's technically overvalued as we look at it because we still look at it from the eyes of um maybe when we watched football years ago and again we, we saw barry sanders or, or marshall falk or someone like that and the value they brought to the team whereas now these guys are are pretty much replaceable wow <laughs> a lot in that answer 
you bring up a really good point about running backs, and I, I can't say that I disagree with you from an analytical standpoint about their positional value. However, I do think there is kind of a place for you to look at a couple of different models of what the running back does and what its value is to the offense and think about and come to maybe a different conclusion. That makes any sense? When you have a guy like Nick Chubb, he's a guy that can signal everything for the defense at a specific time. And so when he's able to gash you the way he is on the running game, and then he's able to catch balls out of the backfield in the same manner, and then he's able to suck you in on the play action fake, I think it just opens up everything for everybody else in the team. And it allows you to be a run first team if you would like to be. Now, obviously he's not more important than the quarterback who touches the ball on every play. But still, his positional value and just how elite he has been has really allowed him to produce at a level that's been, I think, the most valuable for our team. So, I think it's a foregone conclusion that you will take in this game live. How do you deal with the 1 a.m. start? Have you had the neighbors call the constables because you were struggling with something like Hugh Jackson's game management at some ungodly hour? Yes, that that is um, that is absolutely a foregone conclusion. I think it's, I think it's five or six years since I've missed since I've missed uh, a live match. Uh, at the very least, having it on my phone <laughs> when I shouldn't have been. Um, those these late night starts are an absolute killer. Um, like for for years we've had the the one p.m. kickoffs, which are six p.m. here. It's absolutely fantastic on a Sunday for us. That's my Sunday evening sorted. So I have my my Sunday evening game and might catch half another game and then go to bed and be perfect for for work in the morning. Um, the the late games are generally a one twenty one a one a.m. start for us, and that is it's it's an absolute nightmare. So just to just to go through my routine for what I'll be doing this Monday night I will I will go to bed at approximately 7pm and try my best to sleep maybe for maybe 3 maybe 4 hours if I can get 3 or 4 hours sleep in before 1am I can get up I can watch the match from start to finish I can be working on my review article for Brown's Access at the same time and have that uh, more or less ready to go after the game. The game will be finished maybe around four, uh, a little after. Spend some more time on my article to have it finished. Get to bed maybe five or half five a.m. Get about two hours sleep or an hour and a half sleep and get up again. Get myself ready for work and start my one hour commute at 7 a.m. So that's kind of how the game time rolls for us here. It is it is it's both a blessing and a curse it's mostly a curse for us to be fair i understand the the prestige and um and all the and all that goes with it for having these primetime games but they really are not primetime decided upon <laughs> so we, we've never i've never had i've never had any <laughs> any issues with uh with noise or anything and uh and and and, uh, and getting uh, getting abusive over hugh jackson game management at that hour um mainly because i live in the middle of the country and there's there's no one around us my my biggest issue would be the the the, the police force that lives within the house um, who, who may be upset at uh, a couple of little outbursts that might happen at, a, at 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning and uh, 
an odd woken child or two here or there may have happened in the past. I can certainly identify with that position. Well, with that, we'll take a break. We'll be back with more of the Monday Morning Preview. The San Francisco 49ers bring a 3-0 record into the game on Monday night. They are quarterbacked by Jimmy Garoppolo. Garoppolo has a 96.3 QBR and a 5-4 touchdown to interception ratio. On the ground, they're led by Matt Breida, who averages 5.5 yards a touch, the long 34. Roheem Moistert, our old buddy. He also has a 5.9 yard per carry average, and he has 202 yards on the year as well. Tevin Coleman also returns to the lineup for the San Francisco 49ers, so be on the lookout for what he can do. Receiving the football, it's all about George Kittle, who has been very productive for this team. They also have Debo Samuels, who can run in the game as well as catch the football. Dante Pettis and Marquise Goodwin also round out a very, very surprisingly good wide receiver core. Now on the defensive side of the football, that all starts up front with Eric Armstead, with Nick Bosa. Guys like this, DeForest Buckner. This front is absolutely a nightmare to deal with. Can't forget about Kawan Alexander and also Warner. The team is a round, well-rounded from top to bottom. They're a little bit injured on the corners, but Richard Sherman's going to be up top to help them out in this regard. I expect them to be prepared and I expect them to be a very difficult challenge for the Cleveland Browns. Tonight, your Cleveland Browns travel to the Bay Area to bore a hole right through the knee of Levi Stadium. And I'm not talking about a fashionable tear. When they're done, Goodwill isn't gonna want those jeans. Quarterbacking for your Cleveland Browns, none other than number six, Baker Mayfield. Now, Baker Mayfield comes into this game with a four to six touchdown to interception ratio. He has a 77.2 QBR leading this team into San Francisco. On the ground, they feature Nick Chubb, who has a 5.1 yard per carry average and four touchdowns on the year thus far. His long run of 88 yards last week sealed the deal for the Browns in the greater Chesapeake region. Leading the receiving core is Jarvis Landry, who has 18 receptions on the year for 328 yards. Odell Beckham Jr. has 21 receptions, 308 yards for 14.7 yards per catch. He has a touchdown and of course that long play of 89 yards. Additionally, the unit adds Antonio Callaway to the team after he returns from suspension. Hollywood Higgins seems to be ready to play in this game. Harris, Ricky Seals-Jones, and have filled in admirably 
in the absence of David and Joker. Moving on to the defense, we have of course up front, Miles Garrett. He's flanked by Larry Ogunjobi, Sheldon Richardson, and Olivier Vernon. Those guys up front have been devastating to opposing offenses this year. Showbert has been otherworldly. I'm so excited about Alex Mack. Demarius Randall. He anchors an embattled secondary that's been playing out of its mind with Eric Murray, Money Mitch, Jermaine Whitehead. These guys have been playing out of their minds. Your Cleveland Browns. It's time for predictions. First, we're going to hear from the Mupp Podcast, then Zach Pratt. Finally, we'll hear from John Cahill and myself. Buzz, what do you see for this game? I'm going to do this. I know this is a very typical score. This is kind of like, you know, when you when you guess a score, it's usually you do these seven numbers. 24-21. Oh, yeah. I was going to go 31-27. 31-27. I, yeah, I can see that too. I'm saying 24-21. I'm going for an I think you're probably going to yeah. go for an as well. And I think obviously the reason why I said before, I think the defense, they might win the first quarter, they might win the second, like the second quarter. The first half could be, you know, Cleveland could be up by 14. I can totally see that happening. But then I think the this Niners going to, exactly, the Niners, uh, Shanahan's gonna, his whole play play calling is about like, they're gonna he's going to plant seeds in their head mm-hmm. and they're going to think, oh, we saw this play already. They're going to bite on it. And that's when he hits them with the play action. Yeah. And, and he gets him deep. Jimmy gets the big play. Yeah, yeah. I agree with you. Yeah. I think the Browns old line is kind of weak and I think the 49ers D line is their strength. strength. Yeah. So I think they're going to give them a tough time all day. Uh, one area where the Browns could probably attack the 49ers is the, the unhealthy uh, the second corner area. secondary. Yeah. So, but I think I have high expectations for the new guy, Emmanuel Mosley, the undrafted guy. Yeah, from Moore is yeah. also starting for the yeah, first time. Yeah, the, the third time actually, but he's still he's very. Well, new for the first to time the season. Yeah, for the yeah. first time the season. Yeah. Yeah. So he's very new to the job. So it'll be an interesting game. Yeah, regardless. they could attack him. This is a, 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 gonna be a very interesting Monday Night Football game. You know, we haven't had a lot of those this. Yeah. Uh, I think if the 49ers win, they right now they have the most wins on Monday Night Football out of any team, and if the Niners win, you get 49 wins. Yeah, so I think it's only meant wins. to be. Yeah. yeah. So, All right, yeah. Good luck to you guys. If you're Cleveland fans, I mean, keep your head up. Maybe, maybe there's a chance you guys win. I don't think so, but maybe there is. And even if you do lose, it's to come on. The season's not over, and the rest of the division, other than the Ravens, looks weak. So maybe you guys, you guys, there's, there's some chance. Maybe we'll see you guys in the playoffs again. Yeah. And uh, Super Bowl is the only world we get the place we get. That is oh, true. Yeah, exactly. Fingers crossed. Yeah. <laughs> maybe in the Super Bowl. So but um, for this week, go Niners. Exactly. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening. Yeah. All right. All right. Peace. Peace. Yeah, guys, thank you so much for taking the time to visit us here at Dogs by Nature. We really appreciate it. I will leave their Twitter handle in the description. Up next is Zach Pratt from the 49ers Noir Podcast. You know, this prediction is tough. I I think that this is really going to show the 49ers where they are. I think you obviously have a very talented team in Cleveland. And we're really going to be able to see if the 49ers defense is as real as we have seen it be in the first three weeks of the season. And, you know, I think that the outcome of the game is going to be decided by the, the lines. Miles Garrett is going to be a beast. And with left Joe Staley, the 49ers starting left tackle for the past 12, 13 seasons being out, 
Rookie Justin School is taking his spot, and he's going to be in for a long night having to go up against Miles Garrett play after play. You can definitely tell that more pressure was generated by Pittsburgh than in the first couple of games, so that's going to be a big key for Cleveland is capitalizing on that Miles Garrett versus Justin School matchup. 49ers are likely going to try a lot of quick throws and focusing on the middle of the field and running the ball a lot to try to set up play action. Basically anything they can do to try to slow Miles Garrett down, that's going to be their game plan. And then on the opposite side, when Cleveland has the ball, they really need to force Baker into making some mistakes. I know that Baker is prone to throwing a few interceptions and fumbling the ball a little bit, so the defensive line is really going to have to force him into that because they haven't faced a receiver like Odell Beckham Jr. And if Antonio Callaway comes back in addition, maybe if Jarvis Landry is able to pass out of that concussion protocol in time for Monday's game, that's a really deadly receiving core. And the 49ers' number two corner, Kella Witherspoon, is hurt. He has a foot injury from the game against Pittsburgh. So really the secondary is going to be a question mark for the 49ers going into this game. And the 49ers have been a little susceptible to the deep ball if everything for the offense clicks on a play. If they give their quarterback time to throw and if the receivers have enough time to run their full routes, they might have a chance to hit a big play or two. So ultimately, I think that this game is going to be a pretty close one because I do think the 49ers will be able to generate their fair share of pressure and force a few turnovers from Baker as well. So I think I'm just going to go with the home field advantage winning it out. But like I said, it's going to be close. So my prediction is going to be 27-24 49ers. It was great hearing from Zach Pratt. You guys still have time to check out this week's version of the opposition's position. It was amazing there, and I appreciate his position here as well. Now let's welcome back John Cahill. Or Cahill? Cahill? I'm really excited uh, for this game, really. And I suppose, um, I think the story of the game is going to be, really, what are the 49ers? Who, Who are the 49ers? The 49ers have played very... Well, weak teams maybe, and, and two they've had Arizona and Miami out of way so far. So really, what have they played? Um, Garoppolo has thrown interceptions when he's been put under pressure. Um, again, how much pressure really has he been put under? I think the I think the Browns are going to going to really bring it on the on defense again. I think the the D line can get pressure on him. I think it's going to force him into interceptions. I'm not a massive fan of Jimmy Garoppolo. I've I, I like for the again, and if you compare it to like for the for the money that he's being paid, um, definitely, definitely not one of the quarterbacks in the in the in in, in the in in the top end of the league for me. So I definitely think he can be got at. They have um, they have had a pretty a pretty strong running game. They've they've been pretty strong on the ground with Breed and Mostart. Um, I think they've Tevin Coleman back this weekend as well. So they, they've got they've got the makings of a good run game there. Um, something we need to be aware of. Um, something that we can, uh, you know, we can look to shut down. I think again a little bit like um, like the Ravens, if we can if we can shut down that run game and uh, and force them to throw. Uh, you know they do have some weapons, and uh, Debo Samuel has looked pretty good coming on this year. Um, 
they do have weapons there and uh, I suppose again like one of the one of the biggest questions like when we're saying what do the Browns have to do to win I think they have to shut down the run game and force and force Garoppolo to, to be a game winner I don't know if he has that I don't know if he'll have that in his locker um, to, it's for the Browns to win does Freddie have to outcoach does he have to outcoach Shanahan you know that's something we have to look at um, one thing that would concern me is like our are they going to turn up with the 49ers turn up with a completely different game plan that we haven't seen with a wrinkle or two here or there that it takes us till the second or third quarter to figure out you know something like that would would concern me but that's purely based on coaching it's not it's not based on the on the 49ers um, it's not based on, on on the 49ers having better players than the Browns um, I think in the 49ers have an excellent D-line they have excellent players on their D-line um, you know if if the Browns can hold up, if the Browns O-line can hold up and create the running lanes for Nick Chubb, um, establish the run game, go to your RPO, you know, I, I think it could look like a pretty similar game plan to to how we played um, the Ravens. Um, yeah, I, I, I think uh, I think I think the Browns will win. I think the Browns will win. I think they'll hold. I think they'll hold uh, the 49ers to two touchdowns and a field goal, maybe. So I would look at the Browns to win the game maybe 28-17. I think that will um I think that would be I think that would be where like you know the, the it it'll be close enough and I, I think I think the I think the 49ers are just going to be that bit shy on offense and the the whole thing the the whole key then to the game really to get back to the key to the game is going to be the Browns O-line and the Browns offense holding up and being able to effectively move the ball down the pitch and get enough pressure then on Garoppolo uh, when he has the ball to force uh, to force mistakes on his half. Thanks very much for having me on. I really enjoyed really enjoyed being on. Um, again, uh, one of the one of the more slicker produced podcasts that uh, that I've come across. Really really enjoy the work. Really enjoy uh, listening to your podcast very easy on the ears and um, if you want to catch catch more of me online you can get me at john cahill c-a-h-i-l-l underscore i-r-l and you can get the podcast at two green browns and you can catch my writing at browns access so check in on browns access i'm uh, i'm completing um, game reviews at the moment uh, they're generally out the day after the games so you can find all my work there pleasure to talk to you John, thanks so much for taking the time to talk to us. We did not get enough time to talk about football, so we got to have you back again in the near future for sure. I appreciate the kind words. So let's get to the prediction for me. Now, I've been back and forth on this game for a while. I think I started off believing that San Francisco was going to find a way to pull it out in the end. But the more I think about it, the more I feel like I Again, I don't think that Garoppolo is going to be able to produce. I think Garoppolo might not even be as good a quarterback as we faced the week before. I think he's going to turn the ball over, and when he does, the Browns are going to be able to play complimentary football. I see them winning this game by maybe between 3 and 10 points. I'm going to go with, uh, let's say, 27-20. How's that? Okay, with that, we're going to put this episode in the books. Thanks for taking time to make the Monday Morning Podcast and Dogs by Nature Radio a part of your day. Of course, my name is Thelonious7. You've been listening to the Monday Morning Preview on Dogs by Nature. 
take care.